A few weeks ago, I had the privilege to participate in a roundtable discussion about racism in America. While the discussion questions were intriguing and the discussion itself was so rich, even weeks later, there's still one question in particular, the very last question that stuck with me even till now. The question was simply, what are your hopes for the future in regard to racism? My honest response was the same response I have when thinking about the COVID outlook, or I bet that many of you have the same response for many of the questions that come up in your life, and that response is simply this, it's hard to be hopeful. It's hard to be hopeful when I think of so many of life's issues, whether it's racism or wildfires in California or the Afghanistan refugee crisis or the ravages of Hurricane Ida or earthquakes in Haiti or the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic or anything else that has happened in the last 24 hours that I haven't watched on the news yet. It's hard to be hopeful and so easy to fall into despair. Easy because time and time again, week after week, month after month, year after year, season after season, we see the world seemingly fall apart and realize that so much of it is beyond our control. As if we already didn't know, the opening poem in chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes reminds us of how life is full of ups and downs but also some rights and some lefts. Life events, happening, situations, and circumstances that we honestly have little to no control over. And if we're honest, wallowing in the lack of control in our lives can lead to a number of dangers. One being rebellion a complete letting go of all control, feeling of utter despair that breeds addiction and risky choices and adrenaline-seeking and substance abuse, believing somehow that a life without control is worthless. Another danger is the other extreme, a power trip, if you will, needing all the control, feelings of anxiety that breed control issues from attempting to control bodies through banning abortion or a penal system set in place to abuse the workforce and laborers, believing that life must be controlled even if by force. It was these two extremes that the author wrestles with within the text this morning. A lack of power or control or influence that makes life seem worthless. This is the very issue that Koheleth contemplates in the text and in most of Ecclesiastes. They write, vanity of vanities, it's all vanity, or in the translation printed before you, it's all a mist of air, or one of my favorite translations says, absolute futility, everything is futile. Have you ever felt that way in life? Your efforts, your work, your dedication, your living was in vain, or futile, or meaningless. 
wondering if this is the time to pack it in. As one commentator, Andrew E. Hill, writes, the reflections of the teacher or Koheleth in Ecclesiastes are the same type of reflections that drive us in all our frailty and inability to find meaning in a crooked world. But also, like the teacher, around verse 11, we recognize that only God has complete control over times and seasons in our lives. God, who knows all eternity, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, the first and the last. In Proverbs, it says that many are the plans of a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purposes that prevails. In Psalms, it says, dominion belongs to the Lord and God rules over the nations. And in our text for this morning, Kehaleth says, God is the one to call the past into existence. Maybe you too believe God is in control of it all. Maybe you don't. But one thing is for sure, we are not in control. We're indeed only human. And God is, well, God is God. God has eternity in their hands, and we are but a speck on that eternal timeline. Our lives, although the length of a lifetime, are but blinks compared to eternity. According to the teacher, we're unable to grasp the totality of God's work. In other words, even the longest of our lived lives is short when compared to eternity. In fact, human existence as we know it has only been around about two to 300,000 years compared to the Earth's existence of 4.5 billion Years. It's easy to feel like a life with little control is meaningless or vain or futile. And not to mention how short that life is, sometimes it feels meaningless. But there's a big difference between a life that feels worthless and meaningless versus fleeting. There's a difference between a life being pointless and meaningless and a life that is just factually short. On one hand, an eternal God with all power and all control, and on the other hand, temporal humans with little power and little control, what does that mean for us? In times like these, when we seemingly have no control, but God is supposed to be in control, when life seems out of control, but our lives are also so short, what exactly can we do? Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes may offer some help. What I appreciate about Ecclesiastes is the honest reflection of Koheleth, or the teacher, Unlike the wisdom of the Psalms or the Proverbs, we get a rare insight into an individual's mind and thinking in the scripture. We get what many commentaries call the tension. The tension of what we think of as cute and pithy quick fixes and sayings like the sayings in Psalms and Proverbs compared to what we may call real life. 
The experiences that are anything but cute and quickly fixed, this tension, Andrew Hill writes, is what prevents biblical wisdom tradition from fossilizing, from degenerating into smug and self-sufficient systems of canned theology for life's problems. No, Ecclesiastes doesn't offer a quick fixed to life's issues, and neither do I. But today, I hope between the two of us, we can at least offer some wisdom. When life seems out of control, when you feel out of control, when you recognize that you can't fully control your life, a short life at that, and also recognize that God will deal with the eternal, and we just have to deal with what we can control. How? By asking yourself this question, is this the time? No, we can't control everything that happens in life, but we can control how we respond. And we must start by asking ourselves, is this the time? In a broad sense, we may ask, is this the time to move, to act, to go, to do? Or is this the time to wait, to pause, to stay, to quit? In a scriptural sense, we must ask ourselves like the author, is it time to establish or time to destroy? Is this the time for emotions or is this the time for logic? Is this the time for activity or is this the time for stillness. What I want to put forth today are three more specific considerations rooted in this text. For the times when you feel like life is out of control. First, ask yourself, is this the time to reference the past? I'm sure it's been said by many great minds and in many profound ways, but I kind of like how Bon Jovi said it this way, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Another quote usually attributed to Mark Twain says, the past may not repeat itself, but often it rhymes. Our text reads, that which is has always been, that which is to be has already been. A more colloquial phrase is, same, shh, different day. <laughs> Don't be ashamed. I know some of you knew how to fill in that blank. <laughs> However you want to say it, it's clear that often life feels like a rat race, a cycle, a repetition of the past, a retelling of history, and with that, it's so easy to fall into hopelessness and despair, knowing that some of the same struggles of human existence before will come back again. Even the author of our text spends much of Ecclesiastes reflecting on the past and learning from those past observations and experiences. Instead of giving up and giving in to the repeats and repetitions of life, we have to remember to learn from them. We must ask ourselves, is this the time to refer to the past? To move from a dejected attitude of, here we go again, to a more confident mindset of, oh, been here, done that. 
Yes, we've hit COVID spikes before. Yes, we're back to wearing masks. Yes, we are social distancing again. Yes, here we go again. But we cannot wallow in having to do it again, feeling like there's no control. Instead, we have to learn from the past and adjust where we can do better than before. I'm an ardent believer in the saying that hindsight is 2020, which simply means nothing is clearer than looking at your past and reflecting on that past. Look, we can't always tell what's coming towards us, but we can look at the past and the patterns. We can't always tell how we will handle a future situation, but we can always see how we did it and handled it before. Right here, I really wanted to make a comparison about learning from the past and learning how we've learned from weather seasons and adjust our clothing and learn what to wear in extreme temperatures and to do better to prepare in the future. But in North Carolina, we complain year round. <laughs> like we haven't learned how weather works. Yes, last week it was 100 degrees. Yes, fall just started yesterday. So since I can't make that point, <laughs> I'll make this one. We still have to learn from our past, pick up on the patterns, adjust, respond, and do better. We have to ask ourselves, is this the time to reference the past, to learn from historical pandemics, to learn from past loss and grief we've experienced, to adjust from previous heartbreaks and heartaches, to adjust from previous seasons of struggle and hurt, and do better than the past mistakes we've made? But every out-of-control situation may not lead us to the past. Instead, we may need to ask ourselves, is this the time to focus on the present? Again, a recurring theme in our text and the entire book of Ecclesiastes is wondering, is life meaningless? What's the point? What's the purpose? What's the end goal? And what I love about the wisdom of this text is that even though the author doesn't seem to come to a clear-cut answer, the author still comes to a conclusion. And yes, there is a difference. An answer would be case closed, the end, period, but life is more nuanced than that, and Koheleth recognized that. After seeing wickedness in the world seemingly go unaccounted for and no justice to be found, the author instead shares a conclusion, the opinion they arrived at after a process of reasoning, and that conclusion is this, focus on the present and enjoy a good life. They write that there is nothing better than that we enjoy our work, for this is our destiny. For who among us can see what will come after us? This enjoyment isn't a wild and lavish and hedonistic, excessive type, but one of doing good. The text says that we don't see what will come after us, but we see what is now before us. When life seems out of control or overly controlled by stressful situations, take solace in the fact that doing good is never out of season. It's never out of season to help someone. It's never the wrong time to do a good deed. 
It's never the wrong time to give, to help, to assist, to donate, to be a blessing. When there's nothing else left to do, do good in the present. As I mentioned earlier, I had a hard time being hopeful, specifically as I pondered about racism ever being solved in the United States. Especially because that issue just seems so big, so enormous, so impossible to control. And history has shown us that racism doesn't disappear, but it evolves. From ravaging native homelands to enslaving Africans and their ancestors to Jim Crow laws to eugenics to segregation to redlining to mass incarceration to the war on drugs to gentrification to gerrymandering, it goes on and on and on. And while I cannot change the past and likely I cannot fix racism, what I can do is enjoy my present. Whether that is literally doing the things that bring me joy as a black woman as an act of resistance or doing good things to bring joy to others oppressed by racism as an act of resistance. There is a time and a place, yes, to learn from the past about racism, for example, and a time to fight against racism and oppression. But sometimes I just have to deal with the present. What good can I do now? Just as we can't control hurricanes, but we can respond to the present need with giving. We can't predict death, but we can respond to the present grief with comfort. We can't change past behaviors, but we can respond in the present with love. And whatever your issue is that seems to go on and on and is too big to solve, to fix, to, to rectify, the rectify, it keeps coming back again and again, season after season, time after time. Ask yourself, is this the time to go look back on the bad or is this the time to focus on what good I can do in the present? Is this the time? Last but not least, when life feels out of control, you might ask yourself, is this the time to plan for the future? Sometimes when things are out of control, looking at the past doesn't seem to help. And trying to do good in the present doesn't seem to help. But then maybe, just just maybe, you can plan for your future. Planning for the future is one of the hardest things to do because, let's be honest, it is a Sunday. Life often seems unexpected or out of our control. How can you plan for an unknown tomorrow when we're just trying to make it through today? Just as the teacher ruminates in the text, we know so much as humans, but also so little, particularly about the future. We know of eternity, but we cannot comprehend it. We know of death, but we don't know our date, the exact time, or our cause. We even know of birth and new life, but we still can't quite accurately predict the day and the time a baby will choose to be born. How can we deal with what we don't know? All we can do is make a plan. For we know that we will plant, but we'll also harvest. We'll break down, but also build up. We will weep, 
but also laugh. We will mourn, but also dance, knowing that seasons come and seasons go. The good will come with the bad. Ask yourself, is this the time to make a plan? We have to plan for the planting as well as the harvest. We have to plan for the breakdown as well as plan for the building up. Plan for the weeping, but also plan for the laughter. Plan for times of mourning, but also plan for times of dancing. We do a decent job of preparing and planning for the worst, but have you also planned for the best outcome? What about the best case scenario and not just the worst case scenarios? My second earlier point in this one can be summed up in one of my favorite pieces of advice. And it's this, plan as if you'll live forever. Live as if you'll die tomorrow. Is this the time for planning for your future? The time for planning your community's future? The time for planning your church's future? Do you have a plan? And what is it? As I close, I know with so much going on in the world and in our lives, it sometimes feels like we go through the same trauma, the same disaster, the same grief, the same abuse, the same stress, and whatever else we go through. But when it feels like everything is out of control, that your life is out of control, that you're out of control, ask yourself, is this the time and the season? Is this the time for me to reference and learn from the past? Is this the time and is it this season? Is it the time for me to focus on the present by doing good? Is this the time and is this the season? Is this the time for me to plan for the future? No, we cannot control many things in our life, but we can control how we respond. And we respond much better when we learn to discern and learn to be a better keeper of time. You'll know what time it is and what you can do about it. Like Esther, you'll know if you've been put in a position at just the right time. Like Ezra and Nehemiah, you'll know what time you need to begin to return home. Like Peter, you'll know what time you need to repent. Like Jesus, you'll know what time when your time has come to wait and your time has come to act. Like Koholeth, you'll know that everything has its appointed time. Is this the time? Amen.